Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. To the bat pole, Robin. It's issue 12. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. I'm Kurt Stad. I'm back. <laughs> and other David. Welcome to the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club podcast, in which we uh, gather to talk about comics. In the first half of the show, we talk about spoilers for the club picks, uh, mostly from the big two between Marvel and DC. And the back half of the show, we go around the table and talk non-spoilers for our favorite books that came out in the week uh, prior or the weeks leading up to it. Uh, Basically anything that we've recently been reading. So we're going to kick it off here with Doomsday Clock. Number three, by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. The story takes a turn in the third chapter of this 12-issue series you never thought you'd see. And that's all they gave you, because they didn't want to give anything away when they put out the previews. Which, that didn't give anything away other than it's chapter three. So up book in- hadn't been finished yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we uh, left off with uh, issue two, chapter two. Where we had a big surprise that yet another uh, classic Watchmen character is either back from the dead or presumably yeah, so. I know, it's, it's, it's just so odd because we're reading uh, Phoenix Resurrection and then you're not expecting the resurrections to take place in Doomsday <laughs> Clock, but there they are. Yeah, so we had um, Ozymandias taking a crew to uh, another what well, universe, I guess would be the proper term to say, as they wanted to locate the... The two smartest people, uh, that being um, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. So the team kind of split up, and we ended the book on this big shocker that uh, a gunman came in and shot at uh, Ozymandias and uh, Lex Luthor, and that shooter was the comedian who died in the opening panels of the original Watchmen. Um, Wait, the, first the, whole, comics. No, yeah. the, the whole story in Watchmen kind of revolves around... The murder mystery, yeah. you know, of of the comedian when he was Costume killed. Killers. So yeah, that's where, uh, and then we just jump right into it. They don't want to waste any time, as we see. Uh, actually, we're getting the a little bit of a flashback of that original Watchmen opening there, as we see the battle uh, pushing, you know, uh, the comedian out of the window, old old man comedian, and. Uh, Transitioning, this is the one thing I was kind of wondering what was going on here, and maybe this is why we gather here. What was going on with the imagery here of like transitioning into like the drowning? And did, was there something that like Dr. Manhattan did some? What well, not initially, but in here we're getting that um, we find out that apparently um, Dr. Manhattan had pulled the comedian before he dies. I don't know if he puts him back later because, you know, he's, he's dead at the start of uh, Watchmen. But before he hits the pavement, he pulls him out of that reality, brings him over to the, the regular DC universe, and lets him hit, uh, hit the water instead of the pavement. Um, so he, uh, he falls into a river or something um, uh, outside of Metropolis because you can see... Uh, Lex Luthor's building in the background there in the city. I didn't, um, I didn't either. So, yeah, he's, he's dropped him in a bay, um, you know, just just outside of Metropolis. 
And uh, as he climbs up out of the water, up into the, the beach, um, it's, you know, obviously Dr. Manhattan, they don't really show him. You see his, you see his the blue foot word and his, his knees. Yeah, that too. You know? um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of the, the giveaway, or you read the into that. The dialogue bubble is the same as Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen too. Right, and he greets him, hello, Blake. And then, uh, Doc? Yeah, he responds questioningly. Doc? So yeah, that was a little uh, little preview there as we kind of jump back to the current time here um, as the comedian is knocking out Ozzy and he has a big fight and Luther's just laying there bleeding the whole time. And uh, yeah, it's quite a crazy fight that kind of goes over a couple pages. This time, rather than Doc going out the window, Ozzy goes <laughs> Well, I mean, first the comedian tries to knock him out the window, and when it doesn't work because the glass is too thick, you know, he... he Puts some bullets he, in the window. He, he finds, the comedian finds the humor in that. But the reversal is kind of neat, that now it's Ozzy goes out the window, window rather than the comedian. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody drops him in the bay. And I noticed yeah. that the comedian is wear, wearing his button again. Yeah, he so might have picked, he might picked up a nuke. Yes, I wonder I don't know how that affects the Batman finding the button in the Batcave. Well, yeah, I heard people talking about two I'm, buttons existing. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking because even even when you first uh, you first see him, you're still seeing the blood splatter uh, spattered button um, here at the beginning falling with the comedian, and it looks like it's falling separately. And yet, when he climbs out, well, it's still got the blood on it, but it falls with him when he climbs out, which is weird because you'd think that it would fall into the water. <laughs> so it's maybe it just hovers around and goes wherever it wants. I, I'm not sure. Maybe this is a, a magic button. Maybe uh, Dr. Manhattan dropped it on the ground next to him. It's kind of hard to tell where it actually falls from. That That is true with, with him standing over it kind of falls... Maybe when tosses it Dr. Manhattan walks towards him. But of course there's also the one that ends up in the Batcave. So, there know. are three. Yeah, just like Joker. <laughs> one for each Joker. Well, <laughs> speaking of Batcave, as we just talked about uh, <laughs> the window uh, segue there, we had last left in Chapter 2 how Rorschach was going through uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, mansion and he's you know, eating his midnight pancakes or whatever and uh his, his crime fighting pancakes that alfred makes for him and found his way into the bat cave and now uh you know batman was alerted there was a trip wire and alert alarm and all that stuff so we cut back to the bat cave here is uh they kind of have a little discussion and uh the the handing over of the journal yeah it's uh i'm really amazed now this is a this is like a year later so i don't know if at this point for all we know batman's married a year from now i don't know but he seems cal pretty calm to have some intruder in the bat cave I thought. <laughs> yeah that you is know. true yeah yeah he's very well i guess maybe by the end of it you know maybe he was kind of playing that as a strategy as we know how this ends that maybe he was just kind of playing you know playing besties in that way of being like hey i'm going to be on this guy's side so i can later do yeah, ra do. rather than really laying into him. But yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> as far as being Batman, being married, is I'm wondering, is this the main 
DC continuity. This, you know, the Earth Prime. This is not the logo that the Batman wear, wears. Well, in. and and David, you picked up on that right away. You know this. Yeah, because yeah. he's even wearing a different symbol on the cover. He's wearing his symbol well, from it, present if, day. If you have that version, there's <laughs> this one cover on the regular cover. But in yeah, story, it's current. different. Um, yeah, so, uh, so there is a different one, but again, you know, Batman could, could change his, his uniform over the course of the next year. Uh, as, as far as I'm aware, I mean, it, it, it sounds like this would be the regular continuity, just and that, just that this takes place a year after that, regular though, stuff. Where the, one of the episodes or the scenes where the, you see the guards who are watching the movie. Um, they also come in with some news talking about President Nixon. Hmm. Um, would that be back in the... That is... Which universe yeah, if, is that if you, if you But look that, at they're that also is. showing the bat, no bat symbol in the background. Of the news, newscast, so... Yeah, I gotta jump ahead to where... Um, this is why yeah, this is issue confused me. While I still enjoyed it, there's a lot going on in it, this right. Yeah, it, I mean, and it does jump back and forth because as, as you go through it, you you see a little bit. You don't get a lot, but you get a little bit of Rorschach number two's. You know, before he became the second Rorschach. Um, a lot of questions here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now as we're questioning, you kind of got to flip through and and look and see when this happens. And I know what. Where you're talking about, it's mentioned that Nixon um, is rumored to have gone, you know, into the uh, in into the the bomb shelter. No, that is a flashback from before because um, okay. that's that's what page twenty five, um, and that's where we're getting that flashback from. All we know is his name is Reggie, yeah. where he's um, um, and and we're jumping ahead, you know almost to the end of the book here when we get this uh, flash, but he's remembering driving through traffic, heavy traffic. Um, this is right at that point where um, where Ozzy had uh, um, un unleashed his alien, alien invasion. invasion. <laughs> um, but before the bombs were dropped. So if you look in there, you see that happen. So this, this is a flashback to then. Um, and he's on his way home. His parents are, are in the city. You know, Reggie's parents are in the city, and he's trying to get to them. And he's stuck in traffic, and then, you know, the one-eyed squid monster pops right in front of him. And, uh, you know, and you see his little uh, mirror ornament to cut, cut yeah. my eye, too. So he, he must have been a, an Ozymandias uh, fan before this happened. <laughs> uh, because he's got his cat, uh, what's, what's his name? Bombastis. or something like that. Some, something or other. Lion um, Cat. Or that saga. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a snarf. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but he's got a little ornament hanging from his mirror. Um, so yeah, that, that would be a flashback part to their reality. Yeah. Now we're then picking up with, uh, with our clowns in this story as they're kind of tied up. We have the marionette and the mime. Yes. I think it's safe to say yeah. from this page, by the way, that this is the carnival from The Killing Joke. And I, I think there's some more about this, too, that I think once we visit them, I got some more Joker-related things to add to it as well. 
see if anyone else is kind of wondering. But yeah, they, they start showing, and they show a lot of them as they're walking through it. They have posters and yeah. uh, and stuff like that to give yeah. you a, a pretty good look around. So yeah, they were captured in the owl ship, and they were uh, basically escaped, and uh, they just they just want to drink now because they're kind of wondering, you know, why they're being used. Um, you know, we had that moment with Dr. Manhattan and all that stuff and the pregnancy pointing that out and they're just trying to figure out, you know, right. And they, what are, that's and they, do. they actually get the feeling that Ozymandias actually has almost as little clue as they do. You know, they've seen the judging from the look on his face and things like that, 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 uh, that maybe he's doesn't know as much as he'd like them to think that he knows. And then we jump into a greater part of the story back and forth, which uh, maybe any of you guys can kind of t take charge in, because we're at this, what, this uh, retirement home? There's a lot of this that I didn't really understand okay. what was happening. Okay, because this, this is just a society references, is what's okay. going on. And not only that, but you're getting, um, you're getting some other things intermingled with this. Um, they're watching a movie, there's something else going on, but it goes back to Watchmen, where you had... Um, the, the pirate comics yep. and stuff like that that gave this parallel story uh, you know that would run along with the, the Watchmen story and um, if you really read into it there were things about that that um, that had to do with the main story there was something else going on and um, they're, they're doing that same kind of thing in this story but uh, I think in the last issue, they mentioned some actor, you know, some names. Some of them were names that we've heard, and some of them were names that are, like, fictional characters that are supposed to be, like, these real people. Um, and one of them was this this actor, um, and I think they mentioned it, and I'd have to go back and look to see that that was the, the name. But um, he's the star of the series of movies. Um, his name's Car Carver Coleman. Carver Coleman, yeah. And... He he stars in these uh, Nathaniel Dusk Private Eye movies. Um, so there's this story going on. They're, they've got one of these movies going on in the background of part of the, the retirement home thing. So it's playing part of that movie. There's also some things that, that come through throughout here um, that you find out some things about the actor, you know, that he had been murdered and stuff like that. So you've got all these elements going on on the side that um, might look like there's really nothing to them. And I'm not sure what it is that's going on with it yet, but I'm sure that there's some relation in the dialogue in the movies and some of the things that are going on that has something to do with the main story. Um, did you catch um, Mr. Thunder being the Justice Society yeah. member? Yeah. Also coming from this, as an old man, being in uh, DC Rebirth, when Wally West reappeared to, was trying to reappear, he appeared to him? Right, he's, he's really the first um, Justice Society member that we've seen in, uh, in Rebirth. Um, and it, it's mentioned that, you know, he, they need the Justice Society and that's all that he's thought about, you know, is finding the Justice Society. But, um, we can assume from this that he hasn't yet found the Justice Society, so we probably not expect to see the Justice Society, 
uh, fully reappear um, it, at least over the next year. Uh, but yeah, Johnny Thunder would be one of the Justice Society members for those who aren't familiar. Um, he's the one that had the Thunderbolt, the, the magic Thunderbolt. Um, so I guess while he himself didn't have any superpowers or anything, he, he possessed this magic Thunderbolt that, you know, would go out and it had, what he wanted. It had abilities, yeah. <laughs> and uh, back to the Batcave, uh, we had Rorschach kind of impatiently waiting for uh, Batman to read that entire journal, finding out he was only on page four. <laughs> so he invited Rorschach, too, to basically go... Uh, go eat more pancakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, which is what it comes down to. You know, they... Now, you, you get the feeling that Rorschach might have a little bit of an odor about him because there's a couple of times that it's suggested that he take a shower, wash his clothes. <laughs> yeah, so he sent up and Alfred's, you know, getting him everything he needs, setting him up in one of the guest rooms, which is still bigger. Like, he's not like it's the smallest guest room, but it's still bigger than anything he could have imagined. Um, he comments on the bathroom, you know. How the cost of this bathroom would have paid for a whole city block where he's from. <laughs> and then uh, we kind of dip back into that, uh, into the black and white, into the movie stuff going on, which we kind of covered already. And then uh, as we follow the marionette and the mime as they find a bar, we start to see that they're just not any ordinary clowns. They're not just people that are just dressed up. We actually see some, a very interesting power, I guess would be the best way to explain it. Yeah, and that's... That's an unusual thing because these are characters from the Watchmen universe where, you know, besides Dr. Manhattan, you didn't really have any superpowers. Metal power, there. You know, that, that wasn't a thing over there. That was a more, uh, a more realism-based world, you know. Um, it was... Uh, Kind of like the Nolan Batman thing, where it was supposed to be based more on reality, although you know there was plenty of things that really couldn't happen. Um, that uh, that that was really how it was supposed to be. Is like you had Doctor Manhattan; he had the powers. That was kind of central to the story in a lot of ways. Um, but everybody else were just all these masked vigilantes. And then there's a, a fight in the bar because uh, one of the guys is upset that the boss wouldn't like that there's makeup on their face, that they can't be wearing this makeup here. Turns into this fight, which leads to uh, the mime basically miming that he's holding a weapon, holding a gun, and as he mimes to shoot it, it actually has the effects of uh, blowing through the guy's head, which was quite the shocker there as, once again, we're just learning about these characters. Right, and once you once you have the smoke coming from the barrel, you can actually make out the, uh, the I gun. guess, the kind of the silhouette, yeah. anyways, of uh, of the gun. You know, the, the smoke gives away that he appears to actually be holding a gun, <laughs> although it's invisible, perhaps manufactured by the same people that made Wonder Woman's jet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When they show him reaching back with it and hitting somebody behind him with it, too. And his hand's not even close, but you see an impact, so you know that there's... <laughs> and then she's she's off, and she's slicing people up and slicing hands off and things like that. And just, uh, yeah, so there's a, a lot of uh, quick violence happening as they easily wipe out that bar. Right, and actually, um, I had to look at that again, because I didn't quite get her weapon the first time. I was thinking she had some sort of invisible weapon, too. But I realized afterwards it's actually like a, a 
a wire, a string yeah, that, that she pulls yeah. off between her hands, and it's sharp, and she's hacking off people's hands and stuff with it. I'm thinking, okay, she's got some sort of invisible weapon, too. Yeah, they have a little light glimmer which, off. But it's, which makes sense, being the marionette. She's got the yeah, wire. She's got a string. You know, she's got a wire or whatever. So, yeah, they easily uh, clean up that bar there and uh, get that drink. They missed an opportunity to bring in the original um, Charlton characters, um, Punch and Julie, to meet Marionette and the mime. And then it leads, it ends on something. Yeah. (laughs) Ends on something that I'm throwing out there. Maybe uh, everyone else is on the same page. Maybe they're not. but they're saying how uh, they're they're looking, you know, a toast to finding our boy, and they have some whiskey there. And at the end, they just say, "What do you say we go find this?" And then obviously, bold faced Joker. And I saw some other people talking about it too. But like, is it possible with all these weird universes and times and backs and forth, and the fact that this is comic books, is there some way that the Joker is their baby? I've I've seen that theory online. Um, or one of the because well, there's a couple of things. First of all, they were sitting in jail for a while. We don't know how old their kid was in their time, and this actually takes place, you know, in in our time. So how you know how much has this kid aged? How old could their kid be at this point if he was somehow in the regular DC universe versus theirs, which is set um, ninety two. Something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, Watchmen Universe's current time is like 92, and ours is current time. It's, you know, um, so it's, uh, it, it's really hard to say, but yeah, that's a theory that's going around is what if the Joker, or one of the three Jokers, anyways, is <laughs> their kid? Um, now, I, I don't know if anybody caught the little joke, too. Um, on page 22 here, where you start off, the whiskey that they're pouring. Lindbergh? Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Oh, Lindbergh whiskey. Oh, and they got okay. the plane there and everything. Lindbergh, the Lindbergh baby. And their baby is missing. Oh, oh. oh boy. <laughs> they're, ta- they're talking about, you know, finding their, their missing uh, son. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the next Ooh. couple pages, something we kind of touched on already as we jump back to that page 25. So I don't know if there's any other wrap-up that... Otherwise, did we pretty much cover? You're talking about the whole Reggie thing, and yeah, we we pretty much caught all that stuff. So it's just you know nothing there but the uh, wrap up at the end. The end. The uh, movie that they were watching on television, uh, the Nathaniel Dusk. Um, I looked it up. Nathaniel Dusk was a limited series back in the '80s that DC published. Nice about oh, a detective, okay. private detective. So huh. there okay. you go. Okay, yeah, I was not aware of that. I didn't either. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I thought there had to be some time because, you know. Yeah, yeah, that they're making a big deal out <laughs> it's of it. It's Jeff Johns. <laughs> um, and then we had uh, come back to Batman and Rorschach as uh, basically uh, Batman says he he knows. He, yeah, he's, he's found the location of Dr. Manhattan. Talks it's... about the Arkham Asylum, saying let's go, and, you know, they're going to go on their way, and they... Sneak into the one of the prison trucks, and they get all the way in. Everything's cool and casual. They're checking out one of the cells, and I think everybody pretty much saw what was happening here <laughs> as he let Rorschach just kind of observe these walls, and the, we're all mad here as he sees the scratches in on the cell, and Rorschach is the last one to find out when he is locked behind the bars 
and Batman. It which was a trap. Yeah. So yeah, going back to it, how Batman was very casual about someone breaking into the Batcave, I agree with that well as well. And then when you look at this, then maybe he was, I don't know. Of course he had no idea to that begin was... with. But yeah, I mean, once he read Rorschach's journal, because um, Rorschach 2 slept for like 24 hours, so he had time to read it. He said he finished it. And uh, apparently what he got out of Rorschach's journal is... <laughs> This guy needs to be locked up. Because <laughs> he, he says, you know, he locks him up. And, uh, you know, Bat, Batman says, I'm sorry, but you belong in here. That's why he's the world's greatest detective. Well, to me, though, to me, this was the part of the book that I had the most problems with. I mean, Batman has seen some pretty <laughs> incredible, strange things. Rorschach, though he found the Batcave, showed no real aggression or any... Anything right. that would make you think he belongs in Arkham Asylum. <laughs> well, that man slaps him in a cell well, in Arkham. And David and I were talking about that too a little bit. Like after reading Rorschach's journal, <laughs> but, right? But good read. But and and we don't know what else Batman got from it at this point. But Batman's smart. He's got to get something out of this. He's been researching the button, you know. So. So much for the greatest detective. So there's got to be something to it. <laughs> and, and and maybe after all that, he still believes, well, there's something to his story, but he should be locked up. So there and, might be something to that. And, and Arkham, though? Because Arkham is for the most depraved, <laughs> sick sort of people. That's the only people who go to sick. Arkham. It's not... <laughs> Well, Batman, but Rorschach <laughs> is. Now, I don't know about this version of Rorschach, but well, the original was, but there's been no indication that Batman would go, okay, this guy is a depraved killer. Yeah, actually, this version of Rorschach, <laughs> we haven't seen him do anything. He's been really polite. He's just... <laughs> Unless he doesn't Made realize that this is a different person than who wrote the journal. <laughs> anyway, that thought had crossed my mind. <laughs> I was going to say, he might not know it's a different Rorschach. I know he does call the diary um, Kovacs' diary, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I suppose that might give him a hint that maybe it's a different guy. But at the same time, I wasn't sure, and I thought about that too, but, but the way that Rorschach, you know, that the Reggie Rorschach talks, you know, his speech pattern and everything, you know, he could have just as much said, you know, like that is you read my diary because yeah. he he's got that strange way of talking about him yeah so it's true so it's it's hard to tell what the intent was there you know from from the writing and everything um and we don't know i'm sure in another issue or two or whenever batman shows up again um because this is supposed to be a superman centric uh, event book here going on, and we have we barely seen barely him. Seen him. <laughs> he was on like a page or two of the first issue at the end, and we haven't seen him since. He was on the television screen in the one panel. Hmm. <laughs> oh, and and somebody does mention when they're talking about they they talk about the Superman theory uh, on the news. They're yes. talking about the Superman theory, and people are you know you can't trust these people and whatever. And somebody pipes up and. Says, well, you can trust Superman. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> That's the panel, I believe. Well, in the defense of the Dark Knight, if I came home and somebody ate my pancakes, yeah. I'm taking them to Arkham. So, <laughs> <laughs> the bar for depraved is really low. <laughs> yeah. 
um, he maliciously just yeah. destroyed those pancakes. Uh, Dave and I, we were also talking about, um, you know, we kind of were laughing about this last scene with Rorschach and Batman 2 where they're breaking in. And uh, Batman pulls out his tiny little grappling gun, you know, mm. and Rorschach pulls out his big clunky thing with the gas cylinder on it and whatever. <laughs> And then once they get in, they're walking in, and uh, you know, Rorschach says, "Where do you mm, get equipment? <laughs> Compact. Wondered if spare some, <laughs> <laughs> you know." So Rorschach's a little bit jealous of Batman's cool toys. Where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs> Well, and I, the one thing that I wonder if there's some connection to it, I haven't got any idea how you put it together, but um, this whole panic now is that superheroes are all government creations for the purpose of American conquest. Well, actually, that is what Dr. Manhattan was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whether maybe Dr. Manhattan's presence in this reality is somehow shaping the reality around him. Um, yeah. And um, the other thing is, reg the regular stories that they've got going on right now in the Batman titles, you know, Detective Comics and in Justice League, are setting up for this. They're setting up for the distrust that the public has of Batman. Um, you know, of course, as Bruce Wayne says, when have they ever trusted Batman? <laughs> but um, there's no superpowers at all, anyway. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, they are the, the other the other books that have Batman in are setting up for this. Uh, in, in, in fact, they're kind of almost setting it up in uh, in in the metal books in a way, although not so much for the public, but just the, his actions in there. If I have a wrap on this, it's just that you said it. There's so much here. You know, this would be great for a person who maybe wants to read it about 20 times and try to pick all the elements out. But for a person who's reading it for the first time, there's a little bit of feeling, man, I am just overwhelmed by too much stuff. I had that with Watchmen, too. <laughs> reading Watchmen, because I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've read Watchmen, but I still get stuff that I'm like, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. Um, I didn't have quite the feeling, though, of feeling there's just too much, you know... And the first read-through, I'm probably not enjoying it as much because it's just too convoluted. <laughs> Although at the same time, you know, i got to admit, Watchmen I read, you know, I, I've only ever read that in trade or graphic novel format. Um, so I got it all at once, not that issue by exactly. issue. Okay. You can read back through it and easily look back if you've missed something, yeah. look back at it. Whereas this, we're getting, you know, issue to issue. So it's a, a different way of reading it. And that's a great segue for the news that it's going to be even longer of a wait because they've now announced that it's bi-monthly, if you haven't heard that. So Doomsday Clock, uh, we'll, we'll get the next issue on time, but after that, it's going to be coming out every two months. So they said they wanted to keep the size of the book and the quality there, and uh, that decision has been made, so... So then we're going to be almost two years later, and I don't know how that's going to affect how, you know, where it lands in DC's time. Because it's supposed to be a year into their future, but eh, so comics. yep, it's not coming out as fast as we'd like. But you know what is? We're coming out of the mansion fast. Avengers: No Surrender Part Three, <laughs> issue number six seventy seven. Yeah, I tried. Um, Quicksilver, a very Quicksilver centric issue. 
Quicksilver flamed out of the Avengers, leaving devastation in his wake. But now that it's all hands on deck, is this his chance of redemption? Or will his hunger to prove himself be his downfall? We left the last issue of this weekly series. Uh, the mansion blew up. We've had these two villain groups kind of show up out of the sky and they were sent there to battle each other on Earth and once the Avengers uh, got alert that uh, these people were fighting, they wanted to locate where they were, happened to be right above them as they appeared uh, after their little fight bro uh, kind of had a timeout in a way. Yeah, well one of one of the groups. One you know, of the groups, yeah. Uh, show up, because um, uh, initially the two groups kind of fought each other it's kind of revealed to us that we don't know who's behind it, but it's set up as sort of some some sort of uh, competition between these two groups, and that uh, and that the Earth is their battleground, their, their arena. Um, but uh, there there's some specific rules to how they can combat right. each other, um, but the one group. Um, took it upon themselves to kind of uh, clear the battlefield a little bit uh, by trying to get rid of the Avengers. Um, and uh, and at that point, they go... that That's where we, we find them above uh, the mansion, uh, preparing to destroy it and everybody else that's in it. Um, yeah, and as the mansion was blowing up, then we, uh, as we see on the cover with Quicksilver, we figure, like, well, he's going to, and you yeah, made the yeah, reference. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking this is going to be, like... Uh, he's going to be the hero who saves everyone. We're, we're expecting, like, an X-Men movie, you know, the, the Quicksilver scene where he's... Set to a very popular song. Pulling everybody out of, out of the mansion. Um, but comic book Quicksilver's not that fast, so that's not what they do. But obviously, everybody's favorite hero came to the rescue as Voyager saved them all. Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> everybody's right. favorite. You, you missed out on all the uh, on all the Voyager joking. You know what? Our how, how she's our our favorite uh, Avenger. None. I've been Existed. a fan for years. Yeah, they showed all. It must be from a different reality. All of the evidence was there. I don't feel so alone anymore. All the evidence was there. So, uh, but yeah, we see that uh, Voyager uh, transferred them to this unused facility that what Stark had back when the Avengers first formed, but uh, uh -huh. but <laughs> but well, wasn't and, used. And, and, and <laughs> And, and that made the that actually made me wonder too because they're doing these references, you know, where the editor's like way back in issue whatever, where you know it didn't happen because Voyager hasn't really been around. <laughs> but but they put what they put in those editors notes like you know C issue whatever. And I had to wonder about that because they show this place that hasn't been used, and I'm like, wait a minute, has this place was it actually built in there? Because they they reference an issue of Avengers, and I'm like, wait, was it built then? And they just never use it in the storyline? That's hard to believe. And if we have that number, I can go back, because I have a great chunk of... Uh, Avengers comics to look at. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> yeah, wherever that was. It, it, I thought it was. It, 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 it's back a little... Oh, it doesn't? A, a little bit further. Yeah, there, there is... Uh, I'd have to find it. It's in a little bit. Avengers number 13 from 1965. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's way 
it's not what we first <laughs> talk about. Yeah, it. no, okay. it's not. Yeah, Maybe okay. that's, that's, that's pretty unlikely because in Avengers 13, they were yeah. in like uh, <laughs> the early Stark Mansion version. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to reread that issue and I'll come back with the see if my my omnibus was uh, retconned too. So yeah, they're talking about jumping into this, uh, but uh, they some of them want to say, hey, let's kind of take this time to kind of regroup and figure out what we're fighting rather than jumping into it which we then trans uh transfer over to uh, the uh his name slipped in my mind right now the uh the game master yeah 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 who's been in lots of past marvel things his thing is let's find someone to compete against i'll get my tool my pawns you get yours De uh the first event defenders annual was uh, okay. the game master against a robotic opponent who was... So he is always setting this up. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so that's where we are here, is it's revealed that uh, one of the people involved, or one of the beings involved, is the game master. And whether or not they're hiding it, just uh, word bubble-wise, like, right now the evidence is not Thanos, because they always have his word bubbles unless they're just... Altering that just to, you know, you because if they plan on kind of holding this off for a while, then it's, but yeah, you know, because just because it looks like somebody's sitting in a chair and Thanos, he's a good, he's a good sitter. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it's a chair or that's part of his like arm or something that comes up, you know, uh, kind of. Oh, if it's sitting like the back, the back of it, so. And, uh, yeah, I can see both. Like, uh. Yeah. So yeah, um, so yeah, we just get a little tease of kind of who's orchestrating well, they, that. They refer to him as the challenger, you know, but who who this actually yeah. is, unless it's a character that's been around forever named the challenger. Yeah, <laughs> way back in issue number fourteen of the Avengers. Um, yeah, then we jump back into the Jarvis situation as uh, they're all kind of researching some of the characters I'm not familiar with that I think are from the U.S. Avengers kind of chiming in and uh beast you know just kind of going into uh research mode and everything too and yeah we talk a little bit more about what's going on with jarvis um and i'm i'm kind of scratched my head going okay what is going on with with jarvis um they talk about his his readings are weird and it's almost like his brain is fighting itself um so i i don't know What's going on with Jarvis and how that ties into what's maybe going he's on the challenger? So in his other, like in the Astonishing X Men, you know, people are leaving their astral planes. Maybe uh, maybe Jarvis maybe is we're playing an astral projection, Jarvis. Um, and then they begin to kind of uh, assess all of the stuff that's going on around the world, like with the Colosseum and things like that. Or maybe the Earth has been transported into Ooh. Jarvis's head. There we go. Uh, <laughs> That sounds so painful. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now the wasp needs to go in there. Uh, so yeah, they're uh, talking about uh, you know the side order of uh, alien invaders and uh, just kind of looking at uh, all of the stuff and basically needing to you know take charge. And they're all kind of still discussing on the matter and kind of wanting to split up the teams, kind of go to all these different uh, locations. And so far, for an issue that has Quicksilver on the cover, we finally get to uh, his <laughs> his uh, purpose in the issue, which he finds out is not much, because apparently he must have uh, 
done some stuff in a series that I wasn't yeah, reading. Has anybody been keeping up with? Uh, I have read Avengers? some of them um, during the. Um, I'm trying to remember, uh, during the Secret Empire stuff. He had run off on his team to go try f to find Wanda. So they were locked in um, New York in the bubble, and Quicksilver was outside because he had taken off on his own agenda. So he's kind so, of a wild card. and yeah. So yeah, that's what we can kind of get the idea that, you know, hey, you're just meant to stay here. And uh, just when he thought he was going to be called up, then uh, Cannonball is the one that's called up above him. And, you know, and there's a little argument back and forth there. <laughs> He's also tried to, I think, assume the um, leadership of the Uncanny mm -hmm. Avengers because he thinks that Rogue is not a appropriate leader for the team. Yeah, so, so she doesn't trust him and therefore she... Benchism. Yep, basically. So some of the Avengers' uh, heavy hitters, including our favorite uh, longtime Avenger Voyager, they all go there to the Coliseum, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, back at this uh, facility, um, well, Voyager's kind of like transporting the teams to all the different locations as well. Uh, yeah, we get to see that she's got these teleportation uh, powers. I, I don't know... Uh, what other abilities she has, um, but right now her whole gig is that she can get the Avengers from one place to another. Uh, she could have been called like the bus driver or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Voyager, she's. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we concentrate back as they're all like going to all those different uh, locations where the alien attacks were happening. Um, a lot of the important stuff happening at this facility is. Uh, they're kind of discussing about, uh, you know, about all the frozen Avengers, all the heroes that uh, they definitely could use in this moment to kind of turn the tide. And uh, um, Wanda, in the next couple pages, is kind of trying to uh, to find a solution for that. Um, once again, we're just kind of cutting back and forth between the action here. Feel free to jump in if there's anything we're kind of glossing over, but just kind of a back and forth of everybody fighting. And, the attackers from the... Well, the... As, as you're going through this part, and Wanda actually talking to Quicksilver, something's mentioned, you know, that uh, Quicksilver mentioned something that I've been wondering about, you know, for a long time. It's, you know, um, how did everybody kind of get past all of the, the bad things that Wanda's done? Mm. You know, here they are, they're not trusting Quicksilver because he did something, as he put it, I made one mistake, you know? And, she's made uh, 15. And, you know, she's <laughs> killed, you know, responsible for how many mutant deaths and, you know, like all these things that she's done. And, uh, and Hercules has been a great example, occasionally getting drunk and not able to yeah. handle his responsibilities. And, and, and here they are. These people are actively involved in, in what's going on. Um, but Quicksilver, you know, he's made, he's made one mistake and... Here he is on the bench. We do see one of these aliens from one of the teams. Uh, actually, a, a big moment here of Mjolnir being called by uh, Thor, and that doesn't seem to phase the alien at all. So, metal yeah. Master. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what happens to the Metal Master if he tries to pick it up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're back to Quicksilver as he's uh, basically what he just kind of ran off on his own. He wants to, you know, he's denying where he's where he's uh, assigned to. 
and he's kind of running off into the battle and uh, wants to help out. And at the same time, Wanda uh, actually uses uh, Vision as a test subject, figuring, well, here's one of the Frozen uh, heroes. I can, you know, test on him because most likely that'll be a better case. Yeah, than... they, they don't have a scientific explanation for why he's, uh, why these uh, characters, these Star heroes Star. Are, are frozen. So they're thinking maybe it's magic. Um, so, you know, Scarlet Witch and um, name escaping me now. Uh, Who's doc, Dr. Voodoo, Dr. Right? Voodoo, yeah. Um, are, uh, are trying to use uh, magic and... Uh, yeah, Vision is their elected guinea pig. Because um, they can do the least damage to him if they blow it. <laughs> right, and, and thinking also that, that Wanda's you know emotional connection to him might help. Um, so yeah, they, they choose Vision to, to try and pull him out of this frozen stasis uh, thing. And they do, but at the same time, Quicksilver <laughs> is now frozen. <laughs> So, and he's frozen out in the middle of the battlefield in which uh, he's uh, surrounded by a bunch of the aliens and they just see him standing there, as we've seen in the last issue where they're able to scoop up everybody, bring him into the mansion. Um, so they pound him. Yeah, so <laughs> that was just it. Uh, Quicksilver was left there and that's just it. And it ends on them going in to, to smash him. So it's only so many Earth heroes can be in play at one time to take one out. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I got from that, too, is that because this is a game, they're only allowed so many players. They're like a, they're the obstacles, and you only get so many obstacles. Uh, which means as we see more Avengers that we haven't seen yet, that are hinted at, that we'll, we'll see, does that mean more of the Avengers that aren't currently active, or that are currently active will then be frozen or not active? <laughs> If they get low ratings in the from the readers, they're the ones who get frozen next, and they pull out another one to see if they get them. There we go. Let's try that. <laughs> hey guys, I have a wild theory. What if Voyager's yes. the other challenger? Because like we don't know who she is. She just shows up out of nowhere as all this weird stuff is happening, and she's got, I mean, like psychic or teleportation abilities. So what if she's like teleporting herself or projecting onto the actual battlefield and is manipulating the game? Like, actually, from, I don't know, the surface, I guess. Like, she's actually playing it while she is, you know, okay. kind of leading them and stuff. That would be a switch. It would be interesting if yeah, they yeah. did that because the challenge or the game master has always had, okay, we pick a battlefield mm -hmm. or a series of battlefields sometimes. We each get so many pawns that we can draw either as a group or from various places. And then we let them go on whatever field we are. And the people who are on the field are considered things that you can use in the process of trying to win. To throw somebody in like that, that would be work. totally uncharacteristic to the kind of games that the Game Master sets up. Okay, well, never mind. But it could be. I mean, no, maybe no. he's cheating. No. And, and, or I'm the just, other side is cheating. And I'm making not, stuff up. Man. Right. And, and no, I, so I they, think it's literally. a good theory. Um, the other thing that I would find at, at this point with the information that we have to be a whole in that would just be the uh, uh, <coughs> that the games master seems to um, have some like of earth and, and of people, whereas whoever this challenger is, seems like they don't even, like, yeah, you're right. why earth, you know, uh, why, yeah, why, why humans, fun. you know. 
stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know um, if that person would then be trying to manipulate them, or maybe that's why they'd be trying to maybe manipulate them. Maybe she just wants mind. to win, but I, I think based off what you guys are saying, this would be a little wild of a theory, so I don't know if it'll work. But. Wilder things have happened, Some too, of the, so. sometimes, It's comics. Sometimes it's the wild theories that prove to be <laughs> the true ones. You know? I personally hope she's not evil, because I'd hate to have oh, to yeah. rip down my posters of Voyager and like burn my entire run of all of her comics from years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, that would be really I funny. have them all. I have I all have of her every, issues. Every so. Voyager action figure ever released. <laughs> He's not buying my... my my yeah. shtick here, so. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Maybe I'm the challenger. You know what? I have all of Voyager's comic books, too. <laughs> there we go. Every single one ever produced. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did that huge 400-issue run. That was... Yeah. No one's been did close. Did win some awards? Yeah, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Even the Could ones I wasn't nominated for. to this battle, though, too? Yeah. Because you have both the... Um, Lethal Legion and the Black Order, and they seem to be fighting to begin with each other. And then you throw the Avengers in to be a third side. So, uh, so it could be that they're the two teams that are fighting each other, and the Avengers are just the battlefield pieces, pawns um, or tokens on the yeah. Or you know, or is it possible that you know again they, the way that you're thinking that there's actually three teams involved? Although I don't know because the Avengers have no clue as to what's going in, yeah. whereas these other teams they know what's going right. on. I was just throwing this on as uh, right. well, add on to Katie's theory right. that yeah. maybe she is the third, Voyager's the third, and she is using her pawns are the Avengers. Well, oh. though the game master always, when pawns were chosen in past ones, he made it clear this is the reward you get if you win. You know, you don't send them in with no motivation. You know, so when he showed up in Defenders, the first Defenders annual, it was the people the Defenders were fighting against were told, if you win, you get conquest over the earth, and you get to run it any way you want. And the Defenders were told, if you win, then okay. you get to keep the earth. <laughs> um, so that they were down to, you know, each having their motivation. So if you look at his, his M.O., um, it doesn't, doesn't really fall in line with, with I mean, that. his it, for the Game Master and all the past issues he showed up, for him, it's the game that's really important. And you have to have a game that's fair and straightforward or you can't test yourself against whoever your, your opponent is. Um, so for him to have some hinky thing going on. Now, the other guy could. We don't know who it is, whether they have some beef with earth or whatever so they may be playing some games um, but it seems unlikely the game master himself is is pulling some kind of fast one in all this um, and what does unless you know again the thought is if if they win they get to keep the earth otherwise it's just a playground for <laughs> of course this is also under the assumption that um that they're sticking to characterization you know, because yeah. which some, is always so, sometimes you'll get a, a writer, you know, who ignores certain characteristics of somebody that they're using and and just decides to do their own thing. It seems out of character for that, you know, yeah. that character. Well, we'll find out in three months. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so far, Voyager's acting how she's always acted. So, <laughs> like a zero. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've never. <laughs> 
Zero to hero, just like that. I've never known her to uh, act in any, other, in, in any way other than what we've seen in this story. Yeah. <laughs> then we are moving over to Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, number four of five, plus a Jean Grey number 11 to follow, so of six, I guess. Um, we have... Yeah, that threw me off at the end there, actually. We'll get to that, but to, to be concluded, it ends up... And then it gives you two different issues. <laughs> um, Maybe. <laughs> this one is by Matt Rosenberg and uh, Roman Rosanas. A young woman named Jean is starting to go insane in her peaceful suburban life. Nightmares and daydreams are spilling over into the world and revealing cracks in her reality. Jean's life and everything in it may just be a facade, uh, but made by who and why? Jean needs to escape. So, this is the one that we ushered into a club pick as we were uh, kind of talking about it and everyone seemed to be on board with reading. We had this uh, question on this uh, this other young Jean Grey. Like, we haven't seen the Jean Grey taken out of time from the all-new X-Men, but we've seen a, a diner girl Jean Grey, basically, and kind of going through and sort of... Uh, reacting to her own uh, nightmares and dreams and all of these stuff and running into old characters of her past that aren't quite, you know, existing in our reality as the uh, team of the X-Men have been uh, researching these uh, these Phoenix-esque uh, type of events happening around the world. Um, and we just see uh, interesting life as Jean Grey is kind of walking. You just see things are just dying as she passes through the city here and we see that just with uh you know it's just some of the the citizens and the neighbors and stuff like that yeah and, and you kind of get that as more of like uh illusion whatever she's looking at seems perfectly normal but the anything outside of her anytime she turns vision away <laughs> is just destroyed destroyed it's dying decaying burning um so it's it's like there's two different realities going on inside this little world of hers that uh, will kind of get explained a little bit as the story progresses. Yeah, I just love that those panels there of just the paper boy mm -hmm. passing and then just being up in flames in the next one, but then <laughs> being okay. But, but she, yeah, she turns, turns around. around. Turns around. So he's fine. <laughs> it's kind of like the the booze in Mario Brothers when you you know. You turn turn away from them, they start moving at you, but you know everything stops when so you look back. Says, Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a pretty explosive uh, little teaser into the title page there. As we jump back uh, where we last left, uh, Kitty Pryde and the X Men as they encountered what I guess is now uh, known as an egg. Is this uh, basically this giant egg? Uh, maybe Plastic Man's hiding in yeah, there? Yeah, could be. Yeah. There's a lot of eggs going on in. Uh, the big two comics right now. Painted the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, they kind of you know. Yeah, we finally know what's inside. <laughs> they kind of talking about like, all right, who's gonna go in this thing, and you know, just kind of uh, all kind of wondering who's gonna go in first, and of course, Logan just pops his claws and just easily just <laughs> volunteers as he jumps into this flaming world. Is uh, we now see that they step into this. You know, this suburban reality nightmare that uh, Jean has created, uh, or it was created for her. And uh, we see them in there, and they all uh, 
start battling. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we have this uh, other group here. Does anyone have any information on... Uh, yeah, we know who some of them are. Some uh, of the deceased, I guess, would be yeah, the... Although some of them are a little bit hard to recognize. For example, they, they even pick out Icarus. He's, he's the one that they actually mentioned by name, and yet his right. hair is colored wrong. Uh, back before, he's actually the uh, um, he's actually the mailman, ah, okay. and so he actually should be red haired and everything. And yet, when they actually show him with the wings and everything, he's blonde hair and looks more like Angel. Yeah. Um, so that that'll throw off people who aren't you know that aren't real familiar with him either. Um, but yeah, it's just a collection of uh, dead X Men. Yep. Although one looks a lot like Hydro Man, so I wasn't really sure. I know he looks like just like and Hydro he Man. He looks like Hydro Man in an X Men costume. And is Cyclops? Is this Cyclops? No, oh. Cyclops. <laughs> that was in uh, yeah, because that was in the uh, Avengers or the Avengers. No, hold on, X Men versus Inhumans or Inhumans versus X Men. Oh yeah, that's right. And they had that death of X. Yeah. story that yeah. yeah so all that stuff happened in in that the, for for yeah, the, the, the older, older unlikable uh <laughs> cyclops is dead yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, he's gone i i forgot that yep. series um, so yeah we get a couple pages of this uh, action and, as they're all kind and i would just like to yeah. point out one thing that i know this was um we know that Jean gray is making a comeback she's getting her own team and i i uh just thought well all these uh Dead X Men mm. here that are in this they're all in world. They're all wearing a the, certain color. A cer yeah, a certain color. <laughs> they're all wearing red, which have X Men. Look at red, the back of the book. Oh. But she's not wearing red. <laughs> yeah. she, she's got some blue going on there too. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fight against all of uh, the deceased X Men kind of goes for several pages as they all approach this Annie's Diner, which. Uh, most of uh, this this suburban jeans story has been taking place, and uh, she's just doing a, a casual taking out of the trash as uh, Logan and all the other X Men there, and she doesn't uh, see them. They're just like they're looking at her, and they're all just see her just kind of go back into the diner. Although there's that one little panel where you see her look as though. Mm. Though so she's wondering, did I just see something? Yeah, right where it says she can't see us, and there is a little bit of a... She glances back. And then yeah, she kind of glances back at the over. Maybe she just heard him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she yeah. can't see us. Could be. Or she's just wondering, like, what to make for lunch that day for, you know, what's the soup of the day, maybe? <laughs> did I do the dishes? Huh. The soup du jour. That sounds good. I'll have that. Did I leave the oven on? Exactly. And that's why all the flames are happening. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't find her keys. Yeah, there's a lot going on here that, uh, um, so yeah, she jumps into the diner with, uh, the, uh, the owner, Annie, as they're, uh, sitting there kind of discussing, um, they make a reference to, uh, Patch, as they're talking about Mr. Howlett, as we had from the last, yeah, yeah. The garage. yeah actually, actually <laughs> makes a reference to, uh, Jean Grey's attraction to, to Wolverine that she always kind of denied, and she does the same thing here, you know. Um, Scott. Yeah, because <laughs> well, she's she's seeing Scott, so she can't uh, she can't like Wolverine. Um, and yeah, she so from here on out, she's ha she starts having this conversation 
with Annie. And, uh, and Annie, again, I think we might have mentioned this uh, in the past, but Annie was Jean's childhood friend that, uh, that died while they were connected mm. men mentally. And that's, that comes, that's part of the whole Jean Grey origin okay. story. Um, if, uh, I think I've got that right. It was, okay. Annie, yeah, Annie was, was her childhood friend that, um, I think died, uh, hit by a car or something like that. And Jean was there and linked with her psychically when she died. And, uh, that caused her to have these, uh, problems, uh, resulting in Professor X basically locking up her psychic, psychic powers, but allowing her to use her telekinetic powers, which is why in the, the, uh, the very, uh, early X-Men stories, just her powers were just telekinetic. Yeah. And then Beast is kind of catching everybody up on the Phoenix Force as he's talking about it uh, needing to merge with somebody and how it like created this, you know, brought Gene back and kind of um, created this little world in order to merge. And, you know, the young Scott there, you know, wants to kind of take charge with it, but uh, they're kind of saying that there's really no way, you know, to stop it, like when the Phoenix Forces uh, is coming for anyone. Um, so Which yeah, is, is isn't that kind of a repeat of an old storyline too? Because isn't that how you had the whole thing with Madeline Pryor, but Jean was actually cocooned at the bottom of the lake, and I, it was the Phoenix Force that saved her that time too to get her ready for what was coming. So yeah, and. <laughs> And it's such a confusing thing, too, because I think a lot of writers have ignored the it wasn't Jean because she was in a cocoon thing. Because even here, it's like the Phoenix was bonded to Jean. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of writers didn't like that, well, Phoenix wasn't really Jean Grey, and so they kind of they kind of ignore that, that thing where, where they explained it as Jean Grey was in the cocoon. Which really was just so that they could bring Jean Grey back without having all that death and destruction hanging over her head and having to, um, you know. I was just trying to remember, wasn't it the Phoenix Force, though, that created that as well to keep her, her safe? Yeah, it was to keep her <laughs> safe. Yeah. Um, so the Phoenix Force has been taking care of her for a long time. Yeah. Making sure she doesn't die. Yeah. So in in a way, this is just another cocoon. Yeah, but kind of. it's, a, it's a different uh, different way of doing it. And other people can come in yeah. because so, the phoenix let them in. They think maybe. And that's the discussion that's going on as they're talking about everything that you guys just said, basically. And we see something land in front of them there, kashunk, as we see the the talon of the phoenix. <laughs> On top of the diner and all the X Men uh, looking upon it, and uh, and and as that's happening, you know, because we're going back and forth between these, Annie's still talking to Jean, and she's really pressing her about this dream that she had, and I it got to the point where I started thinking Annie is actually representing the voice of the Phoenix, who's. I just so that's what her. I thought too. Yeah, because yeah, she's saying, you know, convincing maybe, her to take this maybe on. Maybe this dream is preparing you for something. Are you prepared? Mm -hmm. She's, and she actually said, "Do you feel prepared?" She's actually saying what you would think that the Phoenix is, um, is is trying to prepare her for. 
So yeah, that will. Uh, well, no, that's not the end. That's that, such a last page moment there, yeah. but it wasn't it. Well, they do have a picture of it at the end too. Okay. But they have the kind of discussion then about okay, who's going to go in and talk to Jean and get her to not <laughs> bond with the Phoenix Force and. The first Scott wants to run in. And yeah, and there's the, the constant battle between, you know, Logan and Scott Summers and the, the fight for Green Jay. Yeah, this uh, one Green makes Jay. a little bit more sense because as they, you know, basically they put it, Scott wants to go in and talk to her because, you know, it's Gene. But they're like, hey, but this isn't your, your Gene. Gene. <laughs> because this is the young, time-displaced Scott and uh, his Gene is a whole different story. Which, uh, which, you know... If you're wondering what happened with her, um, you know, there's that part where Logan tells her, tells Scott, you know, that she'll turn up. You know, I, I, I guarantee it or I promise you that she'll turn up. So I I think that's kind of a, a hint as to what we'll expect from the next Jean Grey uh, issue that will kind of wrap right. wrap things up after the conclusion of Phoenix Resurrection. But of course, who goes in? It's Logan. Because yeah, but the with the ominous, she has a really ominous little conversation with Kitty. Kitty says, "Logan, I know you love her, but if the Phoenix manages to bond with Jean, he says, I know what I have to do, and he has before. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. He has, has me." And then as uh, David talked about here, as we get the uh, conclusion to in Phoenix Resurrection number 5, and then also uh, the conclusion in Jean Grey number 11. Um, so yeah. And no, and both of those come out next week at the same time. So yeah, It seems like I've been waiting forever for Jean Grey number 11. It seems yeah, like well, a long time since yeah, tennis came out. Yeah, because they put a halt to kind of do this, so uh, and they didn't do you know any tie-ins or anything like that, so... I'm interested to see what's happening with the young Jean Grey because, you know, she's still doing stuff over in X-Men Blue, which, knowing what's going on here, Yeah, you know, we, do, we don't know where that falls into things right yeah, now. So. Uh, same thing with all the other X-Men titles. We're not sure time-wise time where everything fall, falls in. I think I get the impression that everything that's going on in X-Men Gold uh, and X-Men Blue and um, really all the X-Men titles right now is before this. Yeah. Because there doesn't seem to be anything mentioned or anything um, that you that you would think that this has gone before. Um, so yeah, I think I think the timing of it is that this this takes place after what we're reading currently. And I think once this wraps up we'll probably see some sort of signs of the aftermath. So that will conclude the spoiler section for this week. Right, in the non-spoiler section, um, there are two books I quickly wanted to mention. First of all is The Girl Who Handcuffed Houdini. We have the first two issues of it out. I'm really waiting for the third. It's, it's an interesting um, book in which they take some historical data, and the death of Houdini was never fully understood what happened in that, and they weave it into a kind of um, there's some kind of conspiracy going on to get rid of Houdini. Because Houdini was um, one of the people who, after he tried to use a medium, after his wife's death, he found out it was a fake, and he became one, or his mother, that's right, and then he became one of the most outspoken people against 
psychic sort of things and spiritualism. And so they make it sound like the spiritualists have now kind of gotten together to try to somehow undermine Houdini. At the same time, a detective is sent out to find out if he's cheating on his wife, mm -hmm. which we know historically Houdini did a lot of that too. Uh, so all these things are kind of woven together into a, a kind of mystery, detective sort of... It's the um, the comics put out by Hard Case Crime. So um, they've made it into a mystery story. It's really interesting. And another thing that's fascinating about it is the art is really interesting. Um, it's almost kinetoscope type artwork to make it, give it that kind of period look as you read it, um, which makes it really interesting too. It's definitely an adult book. Don't let your pre-16s <laughs> read this book. They're pretty open about sexuality and stuff in this, um, in their drawing with it. But it's it's really a fascinating look at that. Um, and so, uh, and it's a great mystery story. So mystery and everything else. Is, yeah, and I've cool. always loved Houdini, so. Um, is this a, a mini-series ongoing? Do we know? Yeah, I think it's, it's a mini-series. I'm not sure whether it's four or six okay. issues, um, but. Um, All right. The other one I quickly wanted to look at was Avengers Infinity War Prelude. Number um, one of two. Number one of two. I At first you get a quick look at what happened at the end of Civil War. They kind of end, begin the book that way. But then they give us a look at how what you might call each side of the Civil War is preparing for what might come next against the Earth. So you have Steve's vision of what we need to do and you get Tony's vision of what you need to do. Um, and uh, the two are very different. It's in, it's an interesting look at both the psyche of Steve and, and uh, Tony in preparing for this. The interesting thing for me is I, I would have started the movie <laughs> with some of this um, rather than it, you know, yeah, it's, it's being be, material that'll be lost to people not yeah not with the reading comics. this and it because it 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 is a good lead into how they would both approach the Infinity War in very different ways. And for those uh, unfamiliar with the Marvel preludes, uh, all the other comics that you know we talked about here are all just comic continuity. The only thing that ever ties in with the movies directly are these preludes in which they'll always do uh, months leading up to a big movie. They'll either do one or two ways where they'll just do a comic adaptation of like Civil War or or they'll do some new material much like this one where it did a little comic adaptation but the majority of it was giving you new material that is movie related. It has nothing to do with any of the actual Marvel comics. And for people who want to know that they also have it marked. It's Mar Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. rather than... Yeah, and every time those pop up, I always look to see if it's adapting something or if it's new stuff, because I'd much rather just get the new stuff, because I've seen the movies, own the movies, but so I was very excited to see that it was yeah. uh, new new material. And I found this very fascinating, especially Tony's psyche is really interesting to, to take a look at, and how he's thinking about, now how do I have to face the future? So, so yeah, that was one of two, and we'll get the next one uh, next month. Well, thanks, everyone. Yeah. I have to run. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. As he leaves, I will talk about how Thanos wins over in Thanos number 15. In this uh, Marvel Legacy arc, we've seen uh, a future old man Thanos, if you will. <laughs> you know he's old because he's got a beard. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a giveaway. Yep. If you got a beard, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, 
And what he did was lure our present Thanos. See you later. Bye. Our present Thanos into his future, which is, I don't know if it's undecided whether it be, you know, a hundred years, a thousand, million years. All we know, it's way off into the future. And what's going on is that he wants his younger self to help him uh, regain, reclaim the love of death. Death, which is the ongoing storyline for Thanos, always wanting uh, to wanting her love and doing her bidding, and and uh, we'll get some of that stuff uh, possibly in the movie. It's undecided whether or not what kind of aspect we'll see from his storyline if that'll be thrown into the movie or not. Um, but in this comic here is uh, a lot of fun. Whenever they take future stories, it's always fun to see who these characters are. So we have this cosmic ghost rider in the last couple issues that has been uh, working for old man Thanos. And I won't say what it is, but in this issue you do, do get the reveal on who this cosmic ghost rider is. And it's a very uh, fun reveal. And as you see on the cover, you see there is uh, some sort of Hulk being chained up as a pet for this future Thanos as well. And not only is future Thanos trying to get his younger self to get his love back, he is wants his help to fight the oncoming threat known as the Fallen One, in which is a last page reveal that was amazing. So that is all I can say for the spoiler-free version of uh, Thanos number 15. It's been excellent uh, since they started the Marvel Legacy uh, run here. Donnie Cates is... Uh, writing it, who is writing the next book we're talking about called Doctor Strange. All right. So uh, I picked up Doctor Strange. Loki, Sorcerer Supreme is the story arc. So it starts on issue 381. Uh, last one I have is 383. I think uh, 384 is either just come out or will be very shortly. Um, it is written by Donny Case. Artist is Gabrielle Hernandez-Walta. Color artist is Jordi Valer. Letterer VC is Corey Pettit. And cover artist is Mike Del Mundo. So that's our creative team. And I picked this up because I like Loki's character. And uh, I wanted to see these two sorcerers face off and see what was going on. Because it sounded kind of interesting. So... Uh, as we gather from the title, Loki is the Sorcerer Supreme, Stephen Strange is not, and uh, we find out that's because there was a competition, and Loki won the title of Sorcerer Supreme, and he is hanging out at a dive bar called The Bar With No Doors, it's an exclusive enchanted watering hole for the mystic and magical lot, um, and he is looking for uh, a spell called The Exile of Sing Soon, and everyone looks at him and starts laughing and says, dude... That's, like, impossible. You're never going to find it. It may as well be a myth. You're joking around. And um, things ensue. And so it leaves us the question, what's Doctor Strange up to if he's not being the Sorcerer Supreme and guarding Earth? Well, Doctor Strange is once again being a doctor, but he is an animal doctor. He is now a veterinarian, and he says, look, now I'm really helping people in my own way. So he's back to doing what I originally set out to do. And, um... There's a talking dog, <laughs> which to me is a huge sell. So, you guys, there's a talking dog that uh, Doctor Strange uh, can communicate with. And uh, then, obviously, Doctor Strange hears about Loki looking for the exile of Sing Soon. Is like, this is ridiculous. I gotta go talk to this guy and let him know what's going on, right? Because it turns out, who knows uh, where the 
Exile of Sing Soon's spell is. Obviously, of course, it's Doctor Strange, and uh, he knows how to get it, and it's probably better if it is not found. So he goes to face off with Loki, and things take off from there. So I had a lot of fun reading it. This is my first time picking up a Doctor Strange comic. Um, I liked the Doctor Strange character, but I really chose it because I think Loki's kind of cool um, and you know also funny and evil and just demented, so I wanted to see how that worked out. And I had a lot of fun with it. I'm excited to uh, read the next one. I want to go back and read some of the Doctor Stranges leading up to this. But, I mean, it definitely took it in a direction uh, different than what I thought it was going to go. So that was kind of cool. And there's a talking dog. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I would, I'd probably read it on that fact alone. So. Well, if that ain't high enough praise, I don't know what <laughs> would be. So. Yeah. And uh, anyone else want to talk about anything before we close up that section? I think that's it for this week. All right. And uh, normally we jump into news, but there's uh, really nothing big news and noteworthy. We have a pretty healthy-sized uh, issue here for the listeners at home, uh, which are always invited. So if you're listening to this and have never joined the club, uh, it's free to join. And uh, just show up here at Saturdays. Uh, it begins at 4 o'clock or sometimes a little bit after that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you show up uh, there, you can join this discussion, bring the comics that uh, you love to talk about as well. And uh, yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah, and if you come in late, you come in late. If you leave a little early, you leave a little early. It's it's all fine. That's just the way it works here. It's the club with no doors. You're just like, passing uh, through. That's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and things we're going to be talking about, if you're listening along and uh, want to attend, next week's releases, we'll be talking spoilers for Dark Knight's Metal number 5, Avengers number 678, The Phoenix, <laughs> the Phoenix uh, Resurrection number 5, um, I normally get Jean Grey number 11, I'm not sure what is all ordered and if there's other people that are pre-ordered, uh, so I may be bringing, bringing that information for us here, or... Maybe I'll sell it as a, you know, turn it into a non-spoiler part. If you want that fun little recap, then you can always reorder, right? But yeah, those are the issues we'll be kind of focusing on. And we do have new previews catalogs coming out, which is my favorite uh, moment of the month when uh, the giant new preview books show up and see what's coming out. This will be for the April? I believe uh, April. Yes, April. So, yeah, um, and what we like to do here on the podcast as well is to kind of go through, and for everyone listening and everyone here, uh, feel free to kind of bring your pull list to the table, and if there's anything of note, uh, anything you know, brand new, exciting, or a new arc, new series, even if it comes down to the merchandise and things like that that you want to make mention of, it'll be highlighted on the Facebook page as well throughout the month, but it's a good way to kind of everyone to kind of bring some interesting things that are you know, we can pre-order for April, and pre-orders are key. Oh Would yes, you agree? yes, I definitely agree. And more and more, we're we're pressing the uh, the pre-orders. So, so yeah, that way you have the, your items reserved for you. And if you uh, follow a certain amount of titles, there will be a discount applied as well. So ask for details on that. I think that will close it up for this issue. This whole time, I've been Anthony. I'm still David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. I'm still other David. <laughs> To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin.
For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.